Welcome to Valley Lights Church. Glad that you've joined us here today. It's great to be able to sing together, worship together, and praise God. That is one of the great things about being together and gathering on Sundays. Did anybody uh, find yourself running late today or, or running late regularly? I don't know if you ever, if you feel like you're one of those kinds of people, or maybe you live with somebody who often <laughs> runs late. Maybe even just getting to church today on time was hard. Actually, there was, a, there was a good amount of you that came to church on time today. I'm pretty impressed. This was, a, this was a good Sunday for timeliness. You know, driving around Santa Clarita is kind of a funny thing because the amount of time that it takes to get somewhere can really vary a lot. I don't know if you felt that way, but like where I grew up in my hometown in, in upstate New York, the distances and times between places was fixed. It was just like always one amount of time to get places but, uh, you know, sometimes even this morning I was like hitting green lights all the way here. I'm like, this place is actually really close to my house when it's all green lights. And other times it feels like it's, it feels like it's really far away. Well, it seems like when I've got a place to go and little time to get there, it feels like that's when I hit every traffic light on the way. So I don't know if you've seen, if you've been driving and you've seen this, just like red light after red light, and you're just like all the way down, you're like, oh, this is going to take forever. That's, you know, especially when you're in a hurry. You don't like seeing that. Or when you see this light, what are you, what are you, what are you supposed to do when you see one of these? Step on the gas? I'm pretty sure when they designed this light, the intention was slow down. I think the idea was, hey, it's about to turn red, slow down. But of course, we all know what you're supposed to do because you don't want to get stuck at another intersection if you can help it. But we know that, uh, you know, if you slow down, you're going to get stuck and then you're going to have to wait. Now, this, this is a little bit how deci decision-making tends to be for a lot of us. In life, what we usually prefer when we're making plans, especially you got some things you want to do or things you want to buy or something you have in mind, usually you just want green lights. I just want to go and do what I want to do, and my, I, I just want all my decisions to fall in place like that. Well, today we're talking about decision-making because we started this new message series last week called How to Make a Bad Decision. <laughs> so you may think, like, I already know that. I know how to make a bad decision. <laughs> and uh, in case you're, you're don't, we're going to look at four of some of the worst decisions made in the Bible. We looked at one last week, and we're going to look at a really awful decision today. And if we uncover the steps that lead up to these really bad decisions, it may help us identify ourselves in the story and be able to make wise decisions moving forward. My name is Bruce Wood. I'm the lead pastor here. And if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, I would love to. I'll be standing at the back after, after our service here. But last week, the, the message topic was uh, think short term. If you want to make a bad decision, just think short term. That's, you know, it, rush into a decision and don't worry about the possible outcomes. Just, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't feel like you got to figure out what could happen. Just, just go ahead and make your decision fast. That's what we looked at last week. You can check that out on our podcast or on our website if you want to find that message. But today we're talking about the bad decision-making process of refusing wise counsel. Refusing wise counsel. That's, that's when I just, I choose not to get advice. Or someone gives me advice and I just ignore it. I don't want that advice. Wise counsel, it, it allows us to look at our life beyond just green lights. Sometimes, you know, sometimes my criteria for making a decision is, it sounds good to me. <laughs> like that's, sometimes that's the only criteria I need is, this decision is me approved. All right, let's go for it. But then someone may throw some caution. 
You know, maybe, maybe someone is like, puts up a yellow light. Hey, maybe you should slow down on that decision. Man, I don't like that. No, when someone throws some caution, you're like, no, I'm just gonna really make this decision fast before I have to stop. Or sometimes uh, that, this, that wise counsel, whether we ask for it or not, sometimes it's a red light. It says, you really ought to stop and consider what you're about to do. There could be some damage. So, you know, getting no advice or, or getting bad advice, because we also, you can ask for advice and sometimes it's bad. We'll look at some examples of that today. But that can really mess you up if you're not careful. So this brings us to Rehoboam, a king in the history of Israel. He was the fourth king of Israel. And um, the reason his decision was so bad, I got to just set it up for you real quick. He's, you've probably heard about Moses and Joshua. Those are some of the early leaders for Israel. And then there was, after them, there were the judges. There were guys that weren't quite kings, but they had special abilities and could help provide some leadership. And actually, God used them to deliver the Israelites from enemies. But then Israel really wanted kings, and they wanted to be like all the other nations, which God didn't want them to do, but he accommodated their desire. So then we had Saul, who turned out not to be so great of a king, and then David, who turned out to be a great king. He was actually known as Israel's greatest king. And then his son Solomon, who's really known for his incredible wisdom and his wealth and prosperity. So David and Solomon, the reason I'm catching you up is because David and Solomon, they ushered in this amazing golden age for Israel. Just amazing progress and prosperity. But then Solomon died and his son, Rehoboam, the guy we're going to look at today, he steps onto the scene. So this is David's grandson. He took the throne. And so basically, Rehoboam, he's, got, he's basically in a, in a great position because they, there's been decades of wealth and prosperity being built, unity in the kingdom, and he messes it up <laughs> like you would not believe. He just, it's like, this, is, this, is, this dynasty has been going so well. How could you mess this up? It actually just happens with one bad decision. The whole thing falls apart. The whole legacy that took years to make came crashing down. By decision-making process that you may have also done in your life at some point. So let's look at that. We're going to look in 1 Kings chapter 12. And uh, I'm going to read some of this here. There's, it's uh, on the screen. It says, Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all the Israelites had gone there to make him king. And the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Your father. So here, here's all the Israelites. Okay, we got a new king. Things have been really... Actually, Solomon, you know, he did some good things, but he really, he had a lot of building projects that he made everybody do. And it was, there was a lot going on in Israel. So they said, okay, your father, Solomon, they, he put a really heavy yoke on us. But now, lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. It's like a reasonable request. Hey, you're new king. We're going to move forward. Let's make this work well between king and subjects. And this is reasonable. Would you begin with an act of kindness and consideration for the, the workforce, the labor of the country? So Rehoboam answered, go away for three days and then come back to me. That's actually a good idea. So, so far, good. You know, take time to consider big decisions. That's a good idea. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. So these guys are actually probably pretty helpful guys because Solomon had a lot of wisdom. There probably was a lot of knowledge and understanding that really grew with Solomon and these elders. And so he asks these guys, these older guys, 
how would you advise me to answer the people? And they replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. So these well-known advisors, they said, really, really, Rehoboam, here is your chance. You're starting off your kingship. You could make some really big picture progress for everybody if you take this step. Really, and they're, and they're encouraging him not only to give them a yes, but also just to take a position of service. Like, do what's in the best interests of the people in the country, not for yourself. But Rehoboam, oh, here we go. Here, here's where it all falls apart. Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. So young men, that Hebrew word, the Hebrew word that it really indicates, it could be young boys or even children, really just an immature group. It was his peers, or maybe even younger than people his age. And he asked them, what's your advice? How should I answer these people who say to me, lighten the load that your father put on us? So the young men who had grown up with him replied, tell these people who have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, make our yoke lighter, tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke, I'm gonna make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips, I'll scourge you with scorpions. Delightful. <laughs> Three days later, basically what their advice is, is like show them who's boss. You're not gonna serve anybody, you're in charge, you, you push people around and do what's good for you. That was the advice. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam as the king had said, you know, he said, come back to me in three days. The king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said, he said this, you know, my fathers uh, scourge you with whips, I'll scourge you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people. Here's what happens. When all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king. Basically, they're like, they're like forget you. They say, what share do we have in David? Your, you know, your grandfather. What, what part in Jesse's son? To your tents, O Israel. Look after your own house, O David. So now things are going to start to crack in the country. The Israelites went home, but as for the Israelites who were living in the towns of Judah, Rehoboam still ruled, ruled over them, this small tribe. King Rehoboam set out Adoniram. So he's like, okay, now we're, now everyone, we're going to get everyone put to work. I'm going to make good on what I said. I'm going to make the yoke real heavy. So he sends out his labor official. He was in charge of the forced labor, but all Israel stoned him to death. <laughs> King Rehoboam, however, managed to get into his chariot and escape to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. The big result uh, is that the kingdom of Israel divides. There's this huge fissure, and it never comes back together. For centuries, or for years and years and years, king after king come, never gets put together, ultimately until Jesus comes. But there's just generations of division and pain and violence, you know, family members killing each other, that really can be traced back to this, this moment. This, is this was a really bad decision. Like, this is, this is a big mess up. So we're going to highlight, maybe you can see, if we, if we examine this really bad decision, you can identify yourself in the story in a way. So here's three aspects of Rehoboam's bad decision. Number one, he scorned the counsel of the wise. So he, he did first ask the wise advisors, but it's, they didn't say what he wanted to hear. He's like, eh, maybe, maybe he thought he should just ask them just because he's supposed to, but he did not want their input. 
And it really, it was good advice. And it basically, it said, give the favorable answer and win the people's hearts, win their loyalty. Don't you want that? But he said, nah, I want, I want peace and prosperity in my country, but not at the cost of my own comfort and convenience. I want to be, I want to be in charge. That word rejected, when he rejected their advice, it means to depart from or to leave, to, to leave something. And the pic, really the picture is he, he wanted nothing to do with, it, with what they said. So I don't, I don't know if you can relate to that. If you've ever been in this, a situation where you wanted something so bad that even when somebody warned you against it, you just, you just check out. You just, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, just instant reject. Nope, that's not for me, that's wrong. Goes in one year and out the other because it's not what I want. There's been times that this, is, this has happened to me. I have a, a mentor, the, the pastor that sent us out here, Josh, and at times, he has cautioned some of my decisions. And like, he'll, he'll put up a yellow light for, for things I want to do. There's, uh, one, there's two times when we tried to buy a home in Riverside when we really didn't have the adequate finances. And we were trying to do it in a cheap way, and, and he was throwing some, some yellow caution on our plans. Once he suggested uh, slowing the pace of having kids. And the reason for that was he could see some things in our marriage that really needed to be addressed, some health that we needed to develop. And over the years, those, those yellow lights on big decisions that I want to make, sometimes I don't like that. I, sometimes I can feel offended, like, man, like, I want to resist the advice because, first of all, it's blocking what I want to do. But who, who are you? Who are you to tell me? What's, like, I, I know it's best for my own life, my own family planning, and you know, my own finances. And I, there's, there's been times when I've just there's like this instant reaction that I can have to, to advice. The times that I have yielded to his advice, it's really turned out to be a blessing, not just for me, but for my family. Other times when I disregard, there's been a cost. Usually there's a financial loss where I waste a lot of time or, or there's relationship damage. Sometimes my mentors can have good advice about how to handle a sticky relationship and I don't want to do it their way. I just want to react. And there can be a lot of damage that comes from that. There can be times in your life where it's, it's hard to get advice, if you're honest. Maybe, maybe you do have a purchase that you want to make. And you'd rather not tell anybody about it because somebody may second-guess that purchase. Or maybe you have a you're going to make a decision about moving to a new place or you're going to change your jobs. And, eh, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't, I, I just... I'm so fed up with my situation, I'm gonna move and I don't wanna ask anybody about it. Sometimes you might feel offended and maybe there's, there's a rift in a relationship and you'd rather just react and respond the way you want to. Or maybe you would like to pursue a relationship with somebody and maybe the advice you get would discourage you from that. Are there any decisions or goals that you have right now that you haven't asked advice for? Any things that you're planning, decisions you need to make, um, or are you worried that if you, if you open up about that thing, genuinely open up that someone might throw a yellow or even a red light? Are you worried about that? The wise counselors, advisors that were giving Rehoboam advice, they said, slow down, look out, for look, look out for the other people. Serve them, encourage them, lead them in encouragement and sacrifice. But he didn't want that. He scorned the counsel. And then here's the second thing he did. He sought counsel that fed his pride. Rehoboam went straight from the wise counselors to people that were going to tell him what he wanted to hear. These young guys, they're going to understand me. They're going to know what I really want. 
And uh, it's almost like you're not asking advice at that point. <laughs> if you're just talking to people, they're just going to tell you yes. And uh, you know, so they, he, they give him this real macho answer, like, you know, I'm going to make it. E I'm going to make your burden even heavier. That's that's real tough. That's a great tough way to start <laughs> your kingship. But Rehoboam, he he wanted to talk to people that would approve his ideas and help him know how great of a guy he was. He wanted to feed his selfishness, his pride, and not have anybody question his motives. He probably was just happy with a, oh, whatever makes you happy response, or do whatever you think is best. We can do this thing as well, because, you know, when we're making decisions, our, our internal guidance system, we can be motivated by some wrong things. We can make decisions wrongfully. We've been corrupted. Ecclesiastes talks about this in 9.3. It says, the hearts of men, really the hearts of everyone, are full of evil. And there's madness in their hearts while they live. Meaning like this, this disregard for God and his ways and his wisdom, afterward they join the dead. Meaning the whole time that you live on this planet, you're going to have some corruption. You're going to have faulty decision-making in your heart. You can't get away from it. It's there. If all you ever do in your whole life is only make decisions and consult yourself, there's going to be problems because you're broken inside. And Jeremiah 17.9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. You're not going to get the deceitfulness of your heart cured. Your heart will lead you into trouble, and you'll have no idea about it. you got to appreciate how Disney for decades, has been telling all of our kids to follow your heart. Every movie's about that. That's the worst advice. It's so bad. You cannot follow your heart. You cannot just feel it and go with it. You cannot just decide, this, this seems right to me. I'm going to go with it. That's bad. We deceive ourselves. Who, it says, Jeremiah says, who can understand it? Who can understand our hearts? The one who can is God. God understands our hearts, and he alone can fix our hearts. Other people Wiser people, they can see things about you. They can see things, people can see into my life, things that I'm not seeing. Like Rehoboam, we tend to seek people who are going to feed our pride rather than confront it. We can lose, and if we do that, if we just ignore the good advice, we can really lose everything that we hope to gain. The third aspect of his decision is, most likely, he already decided what he wanted to do. He got advice, you know, air quotes, he got advice. The text doesn't specifically say that he already decided, but it's probably a fair conclusion. You know, when, when we abandon wise counsel and ignore warnings, isn't it because we already know? We already know what we want to do. I've already made it, I've been thinking about it. I'm, I tend to be an internal processor, and so, you know, I just, like, the gears are turning. You'll have no idea what I'm thinking. <laughs> I, try, I actually try to break out of this tendency. And uh, for first decade of marriage, Aaron would be like, my wife, she'd say, I have no idea what he's thinking. It's not good because all the wheels are turning in my head. And, and uh, so I'm having to express myself. Then I put in this situation where she may throw a yellow flag or a red flag in my decisions. But sometimes we, uh, we, we just already know what we want to do. We'll blow past questions. Uh, nobody question me. Don't question me about my finances. Don't even ask me about it. We want to buy something we can't afford. We may check out when someone is giving us input, a different angle on a situation. And we do this because what we want so bad, we just want the green lights. I just want to go. I just want what I want. And I don't want to slow down. But in life, if you run a red light, bad things happen. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever run a red light. Or when you see those 
chases, like the, car, the cop case uh, chasing somebody and they're just blowing through red lights, man, it creates so much damage. It's just to them and the people around them. If you're, the only, if you're the only one driving in your world, the lights really don't matter. But there's people in your life. There's people around you and our decisions impact the people around us. So to slow down or to stop a decision, it may feel painful. It's like, oh, I don't want to stop. I don't want to slow down. But wise counsel can protect us, really in the long run. It can protect us from long-term pain and regret from really bad decisions that we just can't see right now. So what do we do? We will look at now, how do you make, how do you make a good decision? To make a good decision, we've got to surround ourselves with the right people and avoid the input from the wrong people. There's a guy, Dr. Tim Elmore. He's the founder of Growing Leaders. And he points out that companies have boards of, of advisors, board or directors. Um, and you know, the, if you have a company, the board usually helps the CEO uh, with decision making, keep the company on track, make decisions about finances, and really uh, just get, give support and input. If you think about it, schools have boards, churches have boards, city governments. When decisions need to be made, often there's a board. So this, this uh, leader, he, he points out, why shouldn't we? Why shouldn't we also in our own personal lives have a board of directors to influence and guide us and help us out? Why can't we find people that care about us, first of all, and secondly, people that have driven on the roads that we're driving on now, they can help us navigate life. So if, if you think about it in those terms, do you have a personal board of advisors? Do you have your go-to people that you often ask advice, if you run decisions by them? Um, and if you don't have one yet, who should be on your board? Who should you put in those positions? What we need is a guide for this. And fortunately, God has provided some profiles of types of people we should avoid. Some people, you don't, you don't want the wrong people on the board. <laughs> if you're in a company, you've got people that are real, either selfish or lazy or, or rebellious. That's, that's going to make a big mess of things. So here, here's some guidance, first of all. We need to reject the counsel of fools. Fool is a big, foolishness is a big term, especially in the Old Testament. And we need to stay away from people that have foolish strategies in life. Scripture highlights some of the categories, of some, some foolish approaches. Here's one of them, flatterers. People that shower you with flattery and compliments. Or may, maybe you, you know somebody that just always replies with, oh, that's nice. Like, it's just like, yeah, whatever makes you happy, that's good. You know, you go for it. Just, you do what you want. It's like, you can do no wrong. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're following your heart, just go for it. Do it. Like, if you feel good about it, go. Like, the, yeah. If you feel good about it, sometimes that's the only criteria that people need. Uh, Proverbs 29.5 says, Whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. Whew, that sounds dangerous. A flatterer, maybe they do this intentionally to set somebody up. Or maybe it's unintentional. And they flatter and they just, they're just getting you ready to set yourself up for a problem. The path that you're planning to walk down has holes in it. There's, you're, you're moving forward in life, and there's some holes, and there's some danger, and you can't see all of it right now. And some people are fine to let you walk down that path. Another group to avoid counsel from is slackers or sluggards. There's a verse, it's translated either way. Uh, but it's, it's basically, there's people that you may know 
that are always looking for an easier way in life. They just want to, they want to, go, they want to do what's easy. Yeah, just simple, you know, make it simple. Take shortcuts. I don't want to have to work that hard. Those kinds of people, you should limit the influence in your life. Proverbs 22, 13 says, the sluggard, again, another translation refers to them as a slacker, says, they say, there's a lion outside, or I'll be murdered in the street. And this is an interesting verse, but the idea here is that there's some people that really don't want to work that hard. And they tend to come up with excuses to get themselves off the hook. You know, I, there might be a lion outside. <laughs> or whatever it is, just, you know, this is an exaggeration. But we need to listen. If you look at people's lives, sometimes you can evaluate their strategy. Are they just trying to get off easy? Are they just trying to do it simple, not have to work hard? A lazy person is not going to have the right reflexes that's going to give you solid input in life. And then finally, avoid the counsel of rebels. Proverbs 10, 17 refers to rebels and it says, He who heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. People with a rebellious streak are not a trustworthy source. You may know people that at the job, they just, they, man, they just don't want to do what the boss says, or they just feel like they're always like saying the opposite, or they're just trying to go, I don't want to listen to anybody. The word for correction in this verse is like rebuke. It's, it's, it's if someone has gotten off track, you could, you can actually tell, you could, you could correct somebody that's gotten off track, but this person just stiffens their neck and they remain committed to going their own way. And you don't want to surround yourself with these kinds of people as your advisors. They might agree with you, but that's going to be costly in the long run. So think about it for a second. Think about your friends or people, maybe people that you think would, like that you feel have influence in your life. There may be some family members, people that you relate to normally. Who, who's, who are kind of your people? And do any of them fall in these categories? Are any of them tend to be flattering, they just say, yeah, just do what you want, just follow, you know, whatever feels good. Or any of those people tend to be lazy, not work that hard, or do any of them just rebellious and just constantly going their own way. If you've got people like that that are influencing you, they might love to give you advice. <laughs> they might love to tell you what you should do, but I would be very cautious. If you've got people like that, you don't have to write them off. You can still reach out to them. You can uh, care for them, you can pray for them, you can relate to people like that, but you shouldn't surround yourself with them as your advisors. To do so would be foolish. Sometimes it's, it's fascinating to me the way that people will ask for advice about big impact things from people that they have no idea what their character is like. And I see this all the time. You can, like one common place to see this is on, on Facebook. <laughs> so I, uh, Aaron found a few posts Here's one, here's a lady, this is parenting, so parenting advice is all over. So it says, okay moms, my eight-year-old son has been caught sneaking his electronics past lights out two times now in the last two weeks. I'm struggling with what the appropriate punishment. Any suggestions? I usually take his electronics when it's time for bed, but he hit his switch and then he waited until he thought everyone is asleep to take it out and then tried to lie and said he didn't have anything. Suggestions, please. So this is, this actually, this is important. Knowing how to parent your kids, understanding how discipline works, Knowing how to raise your kids so that they want to follow God, so that they value truth, so that they understand how life works. That's, this, this actually is sound, you know, it's kind of a light example, but this is a really, this is an important thing. And people just throw it out there. 
Any advice? Give anybody got any like I'm like I don't know anybody that can give me good parenting advice. So I'll just throw it out on the internet. That's that's kind of crazy. Okay, here's another one. This one's kind of fun. A pull-up made it into my laundry. How do I deal with this? So this is a this only this only makes sense if you're a parent and you've worked with diapers before. Ah, like this person is like she's frozen. I don't know what to do. I need somebody to give me advice. Here's another one. All right, this one, this is a little different. I'm looking for advice or info regarding neighbor and trees, specifically about a neighbor wanting to cut limbs off of one of your trees that may cause it to die. Also, who is responsible for disposing of branches and trimming expenses? Has anyone had something like this go legal? And what was the outcome? Lawyer recommendations would also be helpful. <laughs> so here we go. That's this, okay, this could actually, this could really, however this ends up, could have a big impact on finances, the next few years of life, things, you know, whoever you end up following. And there's actually, there's a lot worse and actually really sad stories that you can find really quickly on Facebook of people saying like, these awful things are happening with my kids. This awful thing is happening in my marriage and I don't know what to do. Somebody please help me. And when you read things like that, you think, do, do these people have nobody to talk to? Do they not, they don't have a board of advisors? And they may end up getting, so they do get, so people love to comment on things like this. So people love to give advice. You can find lots and lots and lots of advice. But when you get a response, you have no idea the character of the person giving you advice. You don't know what they're like. You don't, first of all, you don't know if they walk with God, if they're rebellious, or, you know. So probably what I'm guessing ends up happening in a lot of these situations, people just end up going with whatever advice matches their feeling. Like, I'm kind of leaning in a direction and someone just says that, so I'm just going to go that way. I feel like I could give really good advice to all these people. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes, like, don't you like, ever want to, like, answer? Like, no, no, I could tell you. And I could give principles about what the Bible says, what God says, how you deal with people, but I'd probably get canceled right away. <laughs> because people, you know, people are like, get, that, get the God and Bible stuff out of here. That doesn't, that doesn't relate to life. So that's, that's one approach. We really got to be careful who we get advice from. But here's how we do get wise counsel. Now imagine you do have some people in your life that you do know they walk with God. They've, they, they have an understanding of the Bible, and I think they can give me some good advice. If you know people like that, here's the first thing. Don't finalize your plans until you've sought wise counsel. So you're about to make a decision. You're about to move in a direction. Why don't you write that out in pencil, not pen? You know, sketch out your plan, but especially if you have anything to do with a contract or any commitments you're gonna make that are gonna affect your money or your time, go slow, write it in pencil. You know, sometimes we feel pressure to make decisions quick. Oh man, there's this opportunity right now. I gotta sign like, oh, I want the thing right now. Sometimes we're, we, we move fast because of our desires or because we're feeling pressure. Proverbs 15:22 says, plans fail when there is no counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. This has been a guiding verse in my life. I really, I think I've been saved a lot of trouble <laughs> by this. There's two guys, two of the guys on my personal board um, are here. Uh, one of them is Josh Del Rosa. He's on the right. He's the sending pastor. He was actually here for our two-year celebration a couple weeks ago. And um, when Josh was a young guy on staff at a church, Randy was his pastor. And so uh, Randy's kind of like our, our grandfather, you know, figure. And uh, he, he still is 
these are just two of the guys, two out of a, a bunch of guys that are on my board for my life. And um, I ask these guys a lot of questions. A lot. In fact, I've got uh, on my notes app, I've just got questions. You know, next time I talk to Josh, I'm gonna like ask him this one. And I just kind of keep a list going. And every time, you know, even when it comes to church life, anytime we've moved to a new location, you know, the park or the school or here, I, I run those decisions through people like this, and actually people here at our church as well. And these people have helped me see things that I wasn't seeing. Like, if you make this move, here's the possible impact. If you stay, here's the possible outcome from that. And, and people really help me see things that I'm not seeing. And I know, I know. I need input from other people that have more experience to help me see things from a different angle. That is true for all of us in our career, in our finances, in our relationships. We need people to help us see it in a different way. And so when we approach those big decisions, you, may, you actually may be ready to make a decision and you've got a lot of information about it already. But what we tend to lack is wisdom. You may have a lot of information, but not quite so much wisdom yet. Wisdom is how do we see things from God's point of view? We're really good at seeing things from our point of view, but how does God see this? So we do well to go to those seasoned veterans in life. Another thing, another step, when you find some wise people, approach them in humility. Proverbs 15, 12 says, a mocker resents correction. He will not consult the wise. A mocker is somebody who's got a lot of pride. They say, hey, my way is the best way. My, my view on this, I mean, there's a lot of smart people out there, but there's nobody quite as smart as me. <laughs> my view on life is the most accurate. That's a mocker, a lot of pride. In the New Testament, we're told that God opposes people like that. When, and whenever we get proud, God opposes us. So whenever pride is in operation, we should not expect God to bring good in life. James Emery White is a pastor in South Carolina. He created some of the content for this series, some of the structure and titles. And he's no, he said that he's noticed a very predictable pattern. You just watch people over years, and he says, the greater the arrogance and pride, the fewer advisors and counselors. People have a lot of pride. They've got very few advisors. So you can, I mean, check yourself on this. Like, when's the last time that you asked somebody, hey, what, what are your thoughts about my decision? I'd like, I'd like your input. I'd, I would genuinely like your input. When's the last time that you've asked that? The amount of input that we get may indicate how much pride is standing in the way. If we don't get any input, it's just this verse. It says, people who resent correction will not consult the wise. So check yourself. Do you ask people? And then third, seek the truth, not just what you want to hear. Seek the truth. The truth is your friend, even though it doesn't feel like it at times. And your friends, people who are your friends, care enough to share the truth with you. Proverbs 27, 6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. It's kind of like when I had mentioned earlier, at times when Josh would throw caution or say like, I, I, I think, you, like when he said that like my marriage needed work before I, I move in family planning, that's that's, that's a wound. Like, that's a, like, how can you say that? Like, that's offensive to me. And, well, wounds from a friend can be trusted. And it turns out he was right. I really did, we really did need to work on some things in our communication and our approach. And sometimes it really hurts to hear the honest truth. But, man, do we need it. We really, really need it. 
And I'd ask you, do you have anybody in your life that has spoken some hard things to you? Is anybody even willing to do that with you? If you do, if, if anybody has said hard things that hurt you, hang on to those people. Hang on to them. Don't, don't push them away. They're, they're really rare to find. It's hard to find somebody that will actually tell you the truth. And it can save us years of pain. Sometimes we seek the input of others, but when, when it's not what I want to hear, ugh, I just don't receive it. So sometimes, you know, it's helpful before I call and ask for input. Sometimes it helps me if I ask God to give me a neutral heart. I don't just put my heart neutral and, Lord, help me be open to going, to staying, to changing direction. Help me just be neutral. God, would you help me to keep my mind open to a new way of seeing this? This aspect of decision-making, this, this whole thing, what we're talking about today, getting wise counsel, it is a game-changer. It's a life-changer. If you get wise counsel, it doesn't mean that we just hand over the reins of our life. It doesn't mean you just hand over responsibility, but it means that we open ourselves up to insight, perspective, and wisdom that just might save us from enormous trouble. So right now, you might be facing some decisions about a job, about your marriage, maybe a spiritual step that you might need to take, about finances. You might be, make, you might be on the verge of making some decisions that might impact the next year or the next decade of your life. You might have some opportunities in front of you. You might have some commitments that maybe you can make. Or maybe, maybe you're, you're experiencing some trouble and some difficulty and you're feeling stuck. Maybe you're a parent and you're just like, oh, man, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I need input. And I, I don't need Facebook input. <laughs> I need like real input. There was one time that Randy, I had, was asking him about parenting. It's when we had one kid and she was young and she would just throw these big fits and melt down and fall on the floor. And yeah, I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like we cannot figure this. This is exhausting and embarrassing and and I was asking for advice and he had given advice and one of the things he said was uh, referring to Philippians he says God tells us to do everything without complaining or arguing that's a command that applies to your kids and the way that you raise your kids our kids are to do everything without complaining or arguing and then he helped explain like what that looks like and practically how do you grow that and it was it was a game changer like it hadn't occurred to me to adjust the standard in our approach to parenting when, with this thing I didn't know how to handle. And I just, I remember like where we were sitting, I just remember it was such a perspective changer for me at the beginning of our parenting journey that it's really influenced the outcome of the last decade. My, my oldest is 10 now. Man, that's amazing. In this room today are people that have driven down roads that you're currently on. There's people in this room that may have stories about mistakes that they've made that they'd be happy to share with you, that maybe you could save time or money or pain. You could seek out wise advisors to sit on your personal board and avoid the mistakes that Rehoboam had made. Imagine the benefit to your life of the next year of really good decisions. Imagine making really good decisions for the next decade. How, how would your life be different in that way? I hope this has been helpful for you. You might think about taking a next step. One next step might be to memorize Proverbs 15:22. That really has, like I had mentioned, it's, been a, it's one I've memorized. It's been a guiding source for me. Um, 
plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. You might also take this step. Identify a decision that I need counsel on. What is the decision that maybe you should get input? And then third, um, maybe my next step is to jot down two or three wise counselors that I can start inviting into my life. I hope really this whole series has been helpful. We're, we're halfway through it now. But here's, here's one big principle that we'll just keep addressing every week. Decisions have consequences. It sounds simple. It's very true. <laughs> In our decision making, we often see reality the way that we want to see it. Turns out that reality has teeth. Reality doesn't bend to our preferences or even our perspective. So what we do is we tend to just ignore reality and its teeth and then we just make decisions and walk straight into negative consequences. No one wakes up and says, I think I'll make a decision that's going to destroy my life today. <laughs> but people make horrible decisions all the time, unintentionally. It could be about finances or relationship. So and it's because we, we think reality works different, but we just live. So decision, our decisions really do have consequences. It really helps if we make good decisions. So next week, if you come back, we're going to look at another awful decision from the Bible. Uh, and you may be able to identify with it if you've, ever been, if you've ever faced a decision and the people around you are putting a lot of pressure on you. How do you, how do you handle decision making when other people in your life are really putting some heavy pressure? What if you make a decision that makes somebody really unhappy? Whew. Well, I hope you come back next week to learn more about that. And let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your guidance. I thank you that wisdom uh, we don't have to go without it. We can pursue it and seek it. And I thank you that you've provided not only the Bible, but you work through people in our lives if we'll hum humble ourselves. Uh, I pray, Lord, that we would choose humility and get input, not be proud or rebellious or, or mocking. Uh, would you help us, Lord, to experience the blessing of walking with you in good decision-making? Uh, would you help those that are here that are considering the decision of walking with you and following you? I pray that you would bring clarity and confidence and courage in that decision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.